We have heard in a number of ways that we are commissioned. We have been given a commission, and we can read that, and we will read that. I'd like to read, I know I only put a few verses in the bulletin, but I'd like to read all five of these passages. They're brief, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and Acts 28. So you can look at your notes there if you'd rather not flip back and forth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear your commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Luke 24. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. John 20. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, what a glorious commission. We are not sufficient as we've already heard, but you are, and your spirit is, and we rejoice that we can learn more this morning about this commission. May it be set on our heart, and may we delight in it. Lead us, we pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit, that Jesus might be glorified, and we praise you in his name. Amen. Dear family, if I asked all of you to quote a verse from the Bible, of course, related to the power of the gospel. Many of you would be able to say Romans 1.16. Many of you would be able to say that. There are many others you could say. But a number of you would probably say Romans 1.16. Now, all the data dragons around here, and there are a number of them, and those who are in the Lego robotics teams, uh, should be able to quote that verse. Because it's been on the, their, the back of their team shirt for I don't know how many years back there. And I remember one time Jeremy was in a store, he had his shirt on, and some ladies exclaimed, Yes! The power of the gospel! And she got all excited, and I don't know if he remembers that. Yeah, it was, it was very exciting. So brothers and sisters, you know, you may not have that shirt, but everybody in this room has the team shirt with this verse on it. We all have that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes must hear the gospel. The gospel of Christ is the power of God for salvation. As believers, at some time, 
we, praise God, we all heard the gospel by someone or by many people maybe uh, in our family likely, or we read the gospel, someone helped us, pointed us to that, and we were converted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in some way, the gospel was given to us uh, by God's grace and by his sovereign plan, mostly here in our families, and uh, he opened our eyes, he opened our hearts to repent of our sins, to understand that we had broken his law, and that we must repent, and then to believe in the Lord Jesus. Don Whitney said this in uh, his book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines book, often it is the message of the cross lived out and demonstrated that God uses to open a heart to the gospel, but it is the message of the cross proclaimed through which the power of God saves those who believe. Our commission is to proclaim. Do we understand this power, the power of the gospel, the power of the treasure of the gospel that has been given to us? Do we understand that power? Are we, this is a question I'm just asking, are we containing this? Are we trying to contain what cannot be contained? Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call on him, that is Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They must hear. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Someone is sent to them. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? We are sent. And after we heard and believed, we maybe didn't know at that time, right at, right at that time, um, but at that point we became a member, a commissioned member of the army of God. We were commissioned. We were commissioned to, with the task of proclaiming the crown rights of King Jesus over all nations. And we've hear, heard that in many ways this morning. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. We know this power by the grace of God and the Spirit dwelling in us. And we go forth in this power. We must go forth in that power. You all know the gospel. But I'd like to just share this from 1 Corinthians 15. We heard it in many ways, by the way, this morning. Many ways. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul said to the Corinthians, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. They received it. And in which you stand. They stood in the gospel, the Corinthians did. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And then he said this, verse, verses 3 through 4. Very basically, this is what the gospel says. For I delivered to you, Paul said, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He died on the cross for you. That he was buried, and he suffered. He was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, of course, that can be more fully expounded. It can be more fully explained. But the basic message of the gospel is not so complex, brothers and sisters, that we cannot share it, that any of us cannot share some of it. The Lord can take a part of one sentence of his powerful word, like he did with Martin Luther, and open the eyes of the blind through his spirit. And that verse that opened his eyes, now he'd studied scripture for years, but it was six words from Romans 1. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The Lord used that to open his eyes. And praise God, we also see and hear the gospel, as I've mentioned, every Lord's Day. We are reminded of the gospel in many ways on the day of the Lord. 
also during, as we come to the table, certainly, and, and what John shared from Colossians 2 regarding the gospel, and then during baptisms, through the preaching of the word, uh, through the creeds, and uh, even through the transitions between the parts of the gospel, uh, between the parts of the worship service, we hear the gospel. The gospel should be the focus every Lord's Day. And praise God, we hear it. Well, as Ray said, Ray, Ray had a comment, and I asked him, uh, can I quote you on this? And he couldn't remember ever saying this, so, but I'll give him credit for it anyway. Uh, hopefully he's not stuck in snow somewhere. But Ray said, when he was going through First Timothy, he said, the proclamation of the gospel is a part of our battle. It is a means of taking dominion. Okay? The Great Commission indeed began with the dominion mandate at creation, the promise then of, and a, the promise of a Savior at the fall, and it is now carried out as we love one another, which is the great commandment, as we show we are his disciples, and we show he is our Lord. Well, as you know, we're focusing this year on the Great Commission and how we are praying and believing that God will make us more active in the proclamation of the gospel, more intentional in it, how we can step up to this calling. It's time for us, I believe, to focus on this. And I'm really excited. When I thought back, I think I was sharing this with Phil the other day, I thought back for four years, and you think of the uh, each year we had a focus. And I got to thinking about how the Lord has led us through that. In 2019, we focused on stewardship. Uh, you know, it was a few years back. And one of the main parts of that was the stewardship of the gospel, the stewardship that has been given to us of the word of God. And then we focused uh, in 2020 on uh, becoming more intentional in prayer, asking that we might become a praying church. And again, unless I believe, I believe unless we had uh, been led this way and been going this way and becoming a, a church that prays, we would not be ready, I believe, for what is the desire of our hearts this year, for this kind of proclamation, for a change in our congregation. The Lord changes us by prayer. And then we're led now to focus on spiritual warfare so that we can do battle, or that was last year, we can do battle uh, in his power. We can use the weapons that he has given us as we go forth in battle. And now we desire logically um, to be even more, a small but a mighty army, bringing the good news to as many people as we can. The Lord has been preparing us, I believe, in answer to prayer to be more effective in the proclamation of the good news. So this morning, we're going to seek to understand our commission. I hope you leave this morning never doubting that you are commissioned into the army of God from these five passages. By the way, the gospel is in the Old Testament also, but we're using these passages today. So the four questions are, to whom is the commission given? What is the extent of our commission? What are the tasks of our commission? And what is the source of the power and authority to carry out this commission that we've been given? And I would stop here and just say, may the Lord who commissioned us and gave us the treasure of the gospel be glorified and make us zealous to proclaim the good news. First of all, to whom is the commission given? This may be the shortest answer of the four questions, but basically it's the church and all the believers in it. Sometimes we are called his witnesses. It is also to his spirit-indwelled people, his disciples, those who are learners, 
who longed to know his word. Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came and spoke to them. This, the commission, he gave this commission to the 11 disciples. Mark 16, he said to them, the 11 apostles. Luke 24, then he said to them, his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. John 20, Jesus said to them, to the disciples again, he gave them the commission. And then Acts 1.8, but you, a larger group, apostles and disciples, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In the communion meditations, recently from John 17, where our Lord Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for us. This is a prayer to the Father for us. He said, I do not pray for these alone, those uh, immediate disciples around him then, but also for those who will believe in me through their word for us. He's praying for us. All of those who now believe, believe because they heard the gospel. Someone brought the gospel to them. There was a disciple who spread the gospel so that we could hear it. And now now we must receive this same commission. They had a commission. We must receive it, accept it, press ahead in faith. As individuals, we must do this, and as disciples in the body of Christ, this commission is given to us, or I could say commanded. Another way to answer this question is that uh, this commission is uh, to spread the good news has been given to all people, to all the people of God, as stewards of his word, as his servants, and as his ambassadors, and then finally as his soldiers. So the question is not, I believe, brothers and sisters, you know, I don't think that's the question anymore. Uh, Am I, are we commissioned? The question would be, I think, this morning and throughout the year, and I'll share about that a little later, the question is, how do we carry this out? How do we carry this out? Are we being faithful now in carrying out this commission? Well, let's begin this year by helping each other to be more mindful of this calling and of this commission and stir each other up to love and good works. Certainly preaching the gospel is a loving thing to do, and it is a good work. Let's stir each other up in this. This commission is given to individual believers, but it is presented in the word of God to all the body of Christ, to the true church, to those gathered who worship and serve the living God. And it should be done as a body. There's an individual aspect, and there we should be doing this together. In Matthew 9, the Lord was looking around, and he had compassion on the people around him. And he said, they're weary. They're like sheep without a shepherd, and they're scattered. His sheep were lost. His sheep were lost. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. We are asking that this morning. We want to do that even more so. Send us out, Lord. We're asking that we would all be more active, uh, let's say obedient, to labor at some level in the work of the kingdom, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ our Lord. Secondly, what is the extent of our commission? What is the extent Again, it's very clear here. Matthew 28, 19 says, All the nations. Mark 16, 15, is, uh, we are commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Couldn't be more comprehensive. Luke 24 says that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. Acts 1, 8, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the church of the Lord is commissioned to cover the earth, essentially, 
to cover the earth with the message of the gospel in an expanding way from where we are, in an ever-growing way. And we pray that we will be growing in this as a church to cover our part of the earth, so to speak. Galatians 3.8 said this. We read this in the gospel uh, readings earlier. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. All the nations shall be blessed in Jesus Christ. And so all nations, all the world, and as Ray said last week, he said all types of people, all societies, in fact, are to be reached. And he quoted Revelation 5, where it talked about the redeemed who are coming out of every tribe and people and tongue and nation. So, in other words, it is universal in scope because he is king over all. He is king over every creature. And also, we read this earlier in our service today, Jeremiah 10. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations, for this is your rightful due? Indeed, people must be come to understand that he must be feared. All should fear him. That is his rightful due. And we are called to proclaim that. And they must hear from his word that he is to be feared. And then I said, in, in response to when you read that, many nations shall come, or Phil said that, many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Amen. I long to hear that. He will teach us his ways, and he will walk, we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion, in other words, from the people of God, out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Micah 4. It will happen. We're part of that. We're part of giving that, uh, giving the word of the Lord. We're part of going forth and proclaiming that. Now, for many of us, we will mostly be involved in that commission uh, locally, proclaiming the gospel in person, person to person, in a smaller area. But we still must be mindful. I believe it's important for us to be mindful of the extent. We should never forget the extent is the whole world. Our eschatology must point to that. And we must never doubt that the world, that the earth, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that we have a vital part in that covering. And also, you should never look lightly at what you do, brothers and sisters. Or uh, some others may consider it as nothing. uh, That what you do in proclaiming is very small. Or look at it as not making enough of an impact somehow. Our job is to obey, to use our gifts, to use our calling as he leads us in this, and do it for him where we are. We live here by his sovereign plan, and he's put people around us sovereignly. Few of us will become global evangelists. That'd be great. I should pray for some out of this body. But God can use one person with whom we had the joy of sharing the gospel, even a part of the gospel, to reach many people through that person's life. There's like a ripple effect. And likely, it would likely reach many generationally also. We see that here, um, to and with our nuclear families, and in this family. And I like that word nuclear. I like nuclear energy, in fact. wish we wouldn't get rid of it. But uh, when you think of nuclear, the nucleus, you know, the core of the atom, a lot of power there. And when it's split, it becomes very powerful. 
when the core of the atom is split. So in the modern context, it does mean power. Nuclear means power, a powerful. We have the nuclear gospel, brothers and sisters. It's awesome. It multiplies like a nuclear explosion. And we're to be ambassadors to those around us. And yes, I pray to other cultures and countries. May we raise up some here who will do that. We are representatives of our king, wherever he leads us to bring that message. Now, witnessing should happen in ever greater spheres, too, uh, from where we are first and then according to Acts 1.8. I'll talk about that in just a minute. So for us here, mostly it will probably be to and with our families, to our nucle- uh, with our nuclear families. And then it should be to our extended families. And there some of you, even this morning I was talking with you about how that is the gospel field that is the hardest to some, some members of your extended family. And then it's to those who, who we live around, those who are in our neighborhood, then those uh, with whom we work, and then to the broader community, wherever we are, and then in person, and also through the internet now, to the nation and to the world. And this commission includes our support, support for uh, financial, certainly in prayer, for people and organizations who proclaim the good news. And this is also a spreading of the gospel, part of our calling to spread the gospel. In a book called Our Father's Kingdom, this is by Douglas Layton. Phil was talking some about this morning. Um, That book, if you have not read it, and you need to be encouraged that God can change nations, whole nations, and is doing so, you should read that book. And he talks about the transformation of entire social orders. Lord is not limited. He can do that. And he is doing that. And we should believe that and go forth with joy. And we do support nation discipling ministries here. I also read a book called, uh, called uh, God-Centered Evangelism. It's by R.B. Kuyper. And he said the aim or the end of evangelism is the universal recognition of the sovereignty of God. The universal recognition of the sovereignty of God. Universally known. Someday all will know and confess that he is Lord of all. Now, knowing that uh, may not be in our conscious minds as we share the gospel, but it should undergird it. We don't know who the elect are when we're speaking with them, when we're witnessing, but the Lord will be universally recognized as the Lord. Some will recognize him uh, in everlasting shame, some in everlasting joy and everlasting life. So our aim, brothers and sisters, is the extension of the kingdom of Christ by the conversion of sinners and their inclusion in the church. God converts, we proclaim. The Lord Jesus referred to the gospel uh, often as the gospel of the kingdom. And we also may be a part of that process of the Lord bringing someone into his kingdom. Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 said, I planted, he planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos watered, he poured some more water on there. But it is God who gives the growth. We may not see the conversion of the elect, whatever part we have in that process, uh, but we can be a part uh, of that, of God's calling upon them. So number three, what are the tasks of our commission? What are the tasks? This will be a little longer answer. So the tasks, I'd like to just look at the action, some of the action words in these verses here, these five verses. So first of all, go or going. 
Because we have all authority, Jesus said, go. What does that mean for us? I believe, in a broad sense, it's taking steps to approach whoever God brings into our sphere of influence, to approach others, taking a step, literally, taking an action. It's an action. And we have to decide to do this. We have to step out and we have to speak. This may not come naturally to us, and they may not come to us or ask us of the hope that they see in us necessarily. So we must extend ourselves. We must go. We must extend the gospel, if you want to use it that way. In other words, we must be intentional. And then next, making disciples. We're to make disciples. The church of Jesus Christ is, and we can have a part in that. The Lord said to his disciples, and his disciples did go to other nations. Most of them died in other nations. And they made disciples. We are his disciples through them, as we heard in John 17. And we are to be involved in making disciples, training disciples. We're to make disciples and pray for them, them to also make disciples. So that then we would actually be making disciple makers. Second Timothy 2.2, 2, what you, Paul said from, to Timothy, he said, what you've heard from me before many witnesses and trust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. So we're to expect that. Should be expected in our families also. And then baptizing. Now some of us here apply the sign and the seal of the covenant of grace. And some may in the future here. But we can all help new believers to understand from the word of God the blessings of the covenant. The blessings of the covenant of grace upon them. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In general, here I believe we're helping them to Understand what it means to be a part of the family of God, helping those that we disciple to obey the commandments, uh, to receive the sign of the covenant, and uh, to be a part of the church, to rejoice in their inclusion into the family of God. And this is by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The gospel is Trinitarian. And then teaching. Teaching means helping them to understand helping them to study the Bible, helping them to understand the whole counsel of God to to those who God has called you to teach. In one sense, it's to everyone around us again, but specifically, for example, for parents to their children, for peers, friends to each other. I believe that's what some of the one another's are meant for us to do. We're to edify one another. We're to love one another and teach We should be able to receive that also, of course. Teaching others to observe all that the Lord has commanded. We need to do that in each other's lives here. And we are, praise God, more and more. Preaching, preaching the gospel. Luke 16, 15 says, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Luke 24 says, uh, Then he, Jesus, said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, the gospel, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. The preaching of the gospel begins with their need of repentance. They must understand that. that They have broken his law. They have disobeyed. And so then people will understand that they have a need for the gospel. And then that the remission of sins or forgiveness of sins is only in Jesus Christ. Only he paid for that. And then finally, witnessing. And I believe witnessing is somewhat different here. It's different than preaching in that we are telling personally what the Lord has done in our lives. 
and how he has changed us. Now with scripture, it should be done with scripture. It shouldn't be just our experiences. Uh, but we should be able to testify. Now, if you would turn with me to John chapter 9, I'm going to look at this in just a little more detail, so in a little longer section. So John chapter 9. And it says, beginning in verse 13, John chapter 9, verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, they'd already asked him, how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, I washed, in other words, he obeyed Jesus, and I see. Okay, that's all he said at that point. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. They're talking about Jesus to this man, you know. And then others, other Pharisees said, and there were Pharisees who turned to the Lord. So other Pharisees said, well, how can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And his answer was very short again. He is a prophet. Now he may not have understood fully who Jesus was at this point. But he was saying what he could say, saying what he knew. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind. So they didn't believe that this man had been blind his whole life and received his sight, until they called his parents to him who had received his sight. Then they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They didn't want to mess with the Pharisees. And they knew messing with Pharisees could get you in a lot of trouble. They can make life miserable. And so I believe, though, this is an example, a kind of example of the fear of proclaiming Jesus. Maybe they didn't understand fully either as their son. But there's a fear of man certainly here. And then it went on. So they again called the man who was blind. And they said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. So they said to him. You know, in other words, saying Jesus is a sinner. And he answered. The blind man said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. He stuck to his witness, <laughs> to his testimony. And then he said to them, then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, there's two possibilities that he said it that way. Some, maybe he knew, but I think he was saying, you know, it's kind of poking them there. Do you want to become his disciples? So I think he was saying then, I am his disciple. He showed guts here. He didn't have a fear of the Pharisees. Although most people knew, you know, again, you shouldn't mess with them. And it ends this way. Then they reviled him for his simple testimony, straightforward testimony, his answers to their questions. They reviled him and said, why, this is a marvelous, oh, I'm sorry. You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples, full of pride. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. 
And then the man answered, the man who was now able to see, see in a number of ways, said to him, why, this is a marvelous thing. Basically saying, really? Really? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has not been it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he's saying, this man is from God. Maybe he didn't understand fully again, but he gave clear testimony. Brothers and sisters, we can do this. He witnessed to Jesus with all he knew, and he did it boldly at that because he had been changed. He gave what he knew. And dear family, we can do this. We can share what the Lord has done in us. And what some would say is a very simple way. And maybe, I think most of the time, it should be a simple way, at least at first. And it should always be clear. In his chapter called Evangelism for the Purpose of Godliness, Don Whitney, that's the book on spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. And evangelism is a discipline. We must look at it like that also. He said, while God calls every believer to be a witness, he calls only a few witnesses to the vocational ministry of an evangelist or maybe a pastor. But all believers are given the grace of God, and I mean here the word of God, the gospel, to impart to others. That's our commission. And we're called to learn it. We're called to remind ourselves of it every Lord's Day. And we're we're called to share it. Our master gave us his word, and he gave it to all his stewards to impart it through their lives and through their ministries and in words. It's not like, is it St. Francis said something like, well, show the gospel in the way you live and sometimes speak with words. No, you have to speak with the word of God. You must bring his word uh, into that. This commission is not the kind that we can wholly delegate either to others. We are all delegated to be involved in ways compatible with our own personality, with our own giftings, uh, according to different seasons in life, in according to opportunities that are unique to you, that the Lord has given you. So we at DCC have a stewardship trust. Many of you from early in your lives have known this. And we've been greatly blessed also with generational blessings. We can see it here. Generational blessings of the gospel that have been passed down, praise God, for generations. So stewards who delight in such a precious gift, who know that they have a treasure, I believe carry out this this stewardship, this proclamation differently than those who don't. They long to know it better, and they also have a growing desire to impart this treasure to others. They don't want to cling to it. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that we have the treasure of the gospel in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay. In our weak bodies, in our weak minds, to show that the excellence of the power of the gospel, the power may be of God and not of us, so that he is glorified. The world and our families, brothers and sisters, need for us to proclaim the truth and the hope of the gospel. And may the Lord fill us with his spirit. May he light the fire in our hearts so that we will compassionately, consistently, intentionally speak to others of the gospel, unafraid of any kind of rejection. And we'll probably get that. Or opposition, and we'll probably get some. Or even suffering, like Phil is sharing this morning, what our brothers in Canada are facing. 
for speaking the gospel, the truth. And we may have that. So we should be prepared. May the Lord prepare us. And even if we tremble sometimes to share, uh, let's let the Lord work through us to demonstrate his spirit, to demonstrate the power of the gospel. We don't all have to share the gospel in the same way, but we are all given it to share. The word cannot be chained. It cannot be held back. It cannot be bound. So having it and not sharing it should be hard to do. The natural inclination of stewards of such a great treasure is to give it, to share its good news. And the Spirit wants us to give what he has caused to be written about the Father and the Son. So the gospel cannot be chained. In the Lord, our labor is never in vain. Isaiah 55 says, It shall not return to me, to the Lord, void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He sends it. He sends it through us. And we we have the joy and the privilege of bringing the gospel. So how do we gain readiness? How do we grow in this in, in readiness for this task. Well, first, I believe we need to ask the Lord to give us chances to share the good news. I know that seems simple. Some of you I know do it. Maybe you don't do it all the time. But really, we must ask the Lord to open our eyes so that we will be ready for opportunities. He gives opportunities, probably more than we recognize. And I think most of our readiness, brothers and sisters, needs to be in the preparation of the heart. Yes, mentally we can always learn uh, how to defend uh, the faith. But preparation of the heart in recognition of our role uh, to know and to share the word. In other words, to accept this commission at whatever level we can and use our particular gifts, the ones that God has given us. But it's important to begin, to take a step, to go. That was the act, one of the action words. In other words, to step out. And then... Speak. We have to speak. To ask questions, to identify with Christ very simply, because then it may open a door. It does not take a lot of words for this to happen. One example, Dave Dirksen and I were at a restaurant in Blair, and uh, we were really enjoying ourselves, eating, talking a lot, and the waitress was very friendly, and we uh, chatted with her some, and... uh, we didn't notice it was closing time. They were starting to lock up and we're still talking away. She came over and said, can I help you? And we looked, oh, you're, she said, oh, no, it's okay. You guys can stay. And I think she's kind of wondering, what are we doing talking for two or three hours? Um, and I, at that point, I just said, well, we're, we're talking about uh, the problems of the world and uh, something along that line. We're seeking to solve the problems of the world. I don't know, Dave will remember and I'll never forget her response. She said, well, when you get the answer to that, tell me. I thought, that's the first Peter 3.15, you know, best, one of the clearest ways. She said, well, let me, you know, and it came out so well that right then that we could say, well, we do, there is an answer. There's an answer for everything in the Bible and in the Lord Jesus. Well, she kind of turned green at that point, but But anyway, and then I, you know, I reached in, oh, usually I have a tract. I didn't have a tract. Um, but it was a very simple thing to do. We can do that. Any of us can do that. And it opened up a door. And I think we have to take initiative to try to open that door, to give them something to work with. And so we have to speak. We have to be ready for divine appointments. We believe in a sovereign God. We have many divine appointments in our life. We have to be ready to speak and share 
as a lifestyle. Now, some people do that more naturally, but you can learn to do that. So we need to be intentional. And you can be intentional. Uh, That was kind of a random, if you, not random, it was divine appointment, but um, it can also be scheduled. We can schedule these things, and I'll talk about that in a minute also. Now, some some final thoughts then. Uh, First, uh, prayer. Prayer is primary for us to proclaim the glorious task and to do it well. And I won't read this, but in the Valley of Vision on page 320, uh, there is a prayer. I would recommend it. It's it's called God's Cause, C-A-U-S-E, the Valley of Vision. So prayer is primary. Prayer for those around you. Prayer for yourself to be more ready, especially in the heart. And one of the ways we can do this is to ask people, uh, I think Phil has mentioned this a number of times, in the neighborhood where they used to live, and now he has gone around and asked, well, how can we pray for you? A very simple task, but very effective. How can I pray for you? In fact, really, asking people questions and listening to them, you are already a rare individual if they, if they can see that you care for them. And then the use of tracks. We will uh, try to increase the use of those this year. We're going to uh, choose some and make them available and learn how to do that together. And then involve your family. Involve your children. I was reading a book called Puritan Evangelism by Joel Beakey. And in that book, he talked about using the catechism in evangelism. And I thought, wow, how does, how does that work? And I, what, what he meant was, in other words, we're consistently uh, presenting the Word of God. We're helping our children understand the whole Word of God. And we teach them that so they will be ready to do evangelism. They will not, never know a time that they aren't commissioned in this and that they can be effective at an early age. Raising children in the Word of God is training in evangelism, raising disciples and raising disciple makers. And then involve yourself in one of the training times. We're going to have several of those this year. And I'll give you more details later, but we will uh, seek to learn together and learn from those among us who uh, have more experience. But my exhortation would be, don't wait for that. Don't wait for any more training. Let's start tomorrow. Let's start today. One way to begin this year and, and maybe become more intentional and planned in our outreach is to ask these 10 questions at the start of a new year. You thought I wasn't going to bring this up, didn't you? <laughs> I got it in here. And I left some on the back. But I sent this out for a reason. One question is, in which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year and what will you do about it? This is a spiritual discipline. Another one is, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? That's a great question. Can we go forward in faith and pray for, I I could pray for my sister, for example, and fervently. Am I praying fervently now? No, I'm convicted. What's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? Well, be zealous in evangelism. What single thing do you plan to do this year that will matter most in 10 years, in eternity, Presenting the gospel of, the only gospel of hope to people so that they can know that, so they can know the Lord Jesus. What habit would you most like to establish this year? The habit of always thinking of how to proclaim the good news, in simple ways even. What skill do you most want to learn or improve this year? How to present the gospel? How to even start a conversation, maybe? So, okay, last of all, 
What is the source and the power and the authority of the authority to carry out our commission? We have all power, brothers and sisters, and all authority from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very clear. You should never doubt that. He is the King of kings. He is our master. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is the King of the nations. We have all power and all authority. One of the strengths that we have as we go to war and presenting the gospel is taking thoughts captive is that we have full authority to do so from our Lord and our captain. And he promised to be with us to the end of the age in this. We must be confident in the rightness and in the authority that we have to engage in this kind of battle. When we are rejected, when we are scorned, when we are ridiculed and uh, when or if we suffer, we should remember the authority of our calling. First Peter 3 says this, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. We may be threatened, but we shouldn't be troubled. But sanctify, it says, the Lord God in your hearts. First Peter three fourteen through 16. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, acknowledge that he is the Lord. And we have authority from him. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you for as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And we may be defamed. We are being defamed continually in, in media as evildoers. Christians are evildoers now because we are preaching the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. It is exclusive. They don't like that. And then it ends, verse 17. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If we suffer, let's do so. Let's endure suffering as good soldiers of Jesus Christ in this year together. All authority to serve our master and king has been given to us, and so we are to take action. We're not to retreat. We're not to pull back or question whether or not we should take action. We have authority. We have a clear commission. And we also must be aware that we are weak in the flesh to do this. We are weak. And then we should go forward knowing that, that he is with us as he promised, with his resurrection power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Four out of the five of these verses we've looked at tell us that we must go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. What are our motivations, just to conclude? I can make a long list here. I just threw out a few. Some of our motivations, well, we're commissioned. (laughs) That should motivate us. We're commanded. So obedience, in other words. That should motivate us. Love for the Lord Jesus. He loved us. He paid for us. We know the gospel. And love for his word, love for his truth. Jeremiah said he couldn't hold it in. It was like a burning fire. Love for the word. We have the word of God. Compassion for the lost, certainly. Look around. Like Jesus said, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Joy in our redemption. We have been redeemed. We should have great joy, and it should just kind of come out. People should see something different in us, even if we didn't say something. They'll see that. And, of course, the filling of the Spirit. And another, I think, motivation should be the increase of the kingdom. We are kingdom-minded people here. 
The wonderful purpose to help the elect hear the truth. In other words, more brothers and sisters. This is a quote by Steve Lawson, who is in Ligonier. And he said, here is the highest purpose behind all evangelism. That's quite a statement there. Here's the highest purpose behind all evangelism. To add worshipers to the great choir of those who praise our sovereign God. It's a good picture. I like that. If I'm sharing with somebody, and okay, maybe they're not very nice or something. Oh, Lord, it'd be wonderful to hear them singing your praises. You know, get that into your mind. If I, I hope I do. I, I would pray that we all do. To add worshipers to the great choir of those who praise our sovereign God. So, dear fellow soldiers, dear fellow ambassadors, and dear fellow stewards of the gospel, we are all under commission to carry and to present the treasure that we have of the gospel to present our Lord Jesus, who is our Savior. Our commission extends to the whole world, and it begins with those around us, right, where we are right now, to whom we and with ever, whomever we relate with. Our task is to make the truth of the gospel known. So we're to take action. We're to go, we're to tell, we're to teach, speak, some form of action. We cannot sit by. We cannot or should not let others do this. We should not want to be left out of this. And we can go forth with confidence because we have all authority to do this. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. By the grace of God, dear family, may this church be blessed to do this. May this year cause us to become even more a vibrant, gospel-oriented church. Let's pray. Lord, we are your people, the people of your word, in fact. And we have life, and we have purpose in you because of uh, your inspired and powerful word, because of the gospel. And Lord, we desire to be faithful stewards of this precious gift, the treasure of your word and of the gospel. And Lord, we seek your grace to be ready to speak and to share it boldly, to be zealous, to do it with meekness and gentleness, lovingly, O Lord, establish the work of our hands, we pray, as we serve in your kingdom, as stewards of your word of the good news of Jesus Christ. For we ask this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our captain. Amen.